0: Well it's um, fantastic to be here um, this morning. Um, I'm here most Sunday mornings um, but this time I get to talk which is always fun for me. Yeah oh, thanks Jake. <laughs> I'll pay Jake later. That was the encouragement I needed to get started. Um, I talk a lot at home so it's finally now I get to do it professionally, semi-professionally. I don't know. I don't know what, what it is. Um uh, I've got, um, Graham and Josh actually said to me that, uh, they were open to me kind of doing a bit of a sermon series kind of thing, which was really exciting for me. Um, cause it means I get to kind of develop a little bit of idea over two weeks with everyone. So, um, I have got, uh, some things planned for today and next week, of course, and they're going to kind of lead in together. And I've named the title of the series, this Unexpected Places, Discerning God in the World. Um. We're going to hopefully talk over the next, well, the next week, um, about how you and I um, can see and find God in those places that perhaps we don't expect to find Him. I think usually as Christians, we kind of have perceptions sometimes not these not the lovely folks here of course we're wonderful christians who know everything really well but usual normal everyday christians that was a joke everyone by the way you're not all perfect though you all do i'm sure you are um so uh, we we have we can sometimes have these perceptions that there's kind of like uh, god stuff and then not god stuff yeah um i remember being 15 and someone swore that i was talking to when we were in church and the other person turned to them and said not here don't do that here you can do it outside but not inside the building, right? Like, so at a, at a young age, there is this kind of perception that there is some places you do some things and other places you shouldn't do those things. Don't worry, I'm not going to swear this morning or anything like that, okay, if some people are already freaking out. But there is this kind of, there's this idea that there's places that are holy, places that are unholy. And what I'm hoping to try and communicate is that there is this theme, this this theme throughout Scriptures where God keeps showing up in unexpected places, right? He keeps showing up out of the blue there's like surprise moments, which I really, really love. And maybe you've had some of these surprise moments, these finding God in unexpected places in your own life. So um, oh, before I jump into my message though, I just want to sh- give a quick shout out. Um, we have, do we only have one of them here this morning? Reuben Curry graduated on Friday night and so did Daisy and Katie as well. I um, was like, that's like the biggest step in these young people's lives, um, and lots more to come. Ruben, by the way, um, he's the one here, so he's going to get all the attention. It's all on you, Ruben. We're all looking. Uh, Ruben's going to Africa, everyone, which is ins- is so exciting. And what are you going to do, Ruben? Who are you going to visit? He's going to go visit Zeke Scherz in Africa. And I'm just so excited, Ruben, you're going to have an absolute ball, mate. Um, so, be thinking and praying for Ruben on that trip that he goes and it's safe. Um, pray for his parents as well. I'm sure they're like, whoa, our kid's going across the world. Um, yeah. <laughs> One of the parents is a little bit too excited, but I won't say who, I won't say who. Um, but go well, that's going to be so... Um... By the way, if you did like the jumping and the turning around first song, we do that most Friday nights. You're welcome to come along if you would like. Uh, We did it on Friday night with just an acoustic guitar, and it was amazing, Uh, but you're welcome to come to that anytime you would like, as long as you've got a blue card and you talk to me first. There we go. There's the legals out of the way. Is any board members here? Yeah, I I did it. I ticked the boxes. Okay, so uh, I would like to invite up, um, we're going to start with the scripture reading, so I would like to invite up one Riley Stewart. Can we give Riley a round of applause? All yours,
1: buddy. All right, so... um This is Genesis 28, verse 10 to 17. Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Can we give Riley a round of applause?
0: I love this Bible verse. Um, it's this kind of picture of Jacob on his way to go do something. If you don't know where we're up to in the story, Jacob's actually on his way to go get a wife. Right? He's he's on his way. He's been told to go uh, to go to his uncle's house to find a daughter, to marry. Yes, controversial, I know, but it's different times. Um, And on his way there, he has this moment. No one got that, but come on. That's, yeah. Uh, On his way there, he's on his way to this kind of going to do something, and he falls down, he goes to sleep, and he wakes up realizing that God was in this place, and he did not know it. He did not realize it. I sort of like to think of this as like a holy surprise, right? Like this. Look at this guy, right? He's just he's popped in, he's popped out of frame, he's like, surprise, I'm here. This is kind of what's going on in this moment, is Jacob is somewhere where he's not expecting to engage, to encounter God, and out of nowhere, pop, hey, I'm here, right? He looks like he's got a question to ask or something, right? He's He caught you doing something you shouldn't be doing. Um, there's these moments in our life, um, where we have these things and we often talk about and we give it this really interesting language of like, I just had a revelation. I just was confronted with God God unveiled himself even more to me as I was reading this Bible verse or as I was reading this scripture. This is a amazing surprise. And I think we have to be the sort of people though who are ready to receive a surprise. Have you ever seen a magic show, right? The worst person to sit next to at a magic show is the whole time going, oh, yeah, but um, he just switched hands there and we just didn't see it. Oh, you know, it's uh, actually just mirrors, man. That trick's nothing. It's just mirrors. Who cares, man? Just enjoy the magic show, right? Like when you watch the Avengers with someone and they're like, this is so fake. Yeah, it's a movie, okay? Nobody cares that it's fake. It's a movie. That's why we're watching this thing. There's these things, I think, sometimes where we can be confronted, where we can be stopped, where God can reveal himself to us, and we can spend our time so much trying to figure it out where we can't just be caught up in the wonder of the surprise, of encountering God in the unexpected places, because those things take us to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear what God is doing in these places where we don't expect them. I think sometimes I wonder... That maybe we can be so set on our own goals, so set on our own ideas and beliefs, that maybe we can miss what God is doing all around us. Have you ever thought about this? Sometimes when I talk to Sherilyn, like when she got up and spoke here a few weeks ago, she talked about how God's doing stuff out in the world, in nature, and I'm like, oh, bugs, I just can't even think about that, Right. But God is so present out there and is doing so much. But if I don't have the eyes to see what God is doing, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss God showing up in these places that I did not expect. Did I miss the surprise? This is like a a, a two-week sermon about you trying to get some like spiritual FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. God is doing stuff all around us. I wonder if you and I have the eyes to see. Can we see God's movements, God doing amazing things in our friends, in our loved ones, in our communities, in creation, in societal changes, or do we just see everything through this negative scope? I'm talking to Rob just before. He was telling me about a motto for the year. Was it no complaining? No complaining, more entertaining. I think that's a perfect motto, right? Is we can so often look at everything through such a not critical in the sense of thinking about it, but just critiquing everything left, right, and center just for the sake of it, where we can miss these holy miracles, these magic moments that God is doing, God is presencing Himself in our midst. So, where do we see these? Where do we see these surprises? And how can We do this. Like Jacob, we can have these moments where we will exclaim, for surely God was in this place, and I did not expect it. So, today and next Sunday, I'm hoping that this will be a reminder for us that God is at work, yes, in this building and in us as people, but God is also at work in this great big world that we're a part of as well. He's at work in your neighbor's life, even though he... You do not know him that well. He's at work and the person... we Someone said something the other day. It's like not everyone... Everyone doesn't shut down to just nothing when you walk out the room or something, right? Like God is doing so much in the world. Do we have the eyes to see? So one place we see this is where I think we see Paul portray and show us what it looks like to see and perceive what God is doing in the world is in Acts chapter 17. Now, I need to give a little bit of an intro to this part of Acts, where we're coming up to. But what Paul, uh, what the book of Acts is all about, is it's all about a group of Jesus followers going from Jerusalem, and it finishes in Rome. It's kind of like Jerusalem, like this small little fellowship of 12 disciples, and it finishing in this thing that's been taken to the world stage in Rome at the kind of the capital of the known world at that time on this journey so Paul when he rocks up in Greece coming into Athens to share the gospel he walks into the city and it talks about he's really kind of grieved by all these idols have you read this story in Acts chapter 17 he's really grieved by he's like there's idols everywhere everyone's worshipping everyone which way He's grieved by this, and he goes and starts to, in the town centers, in the town squares, share about Jesus, share about what this life of following Christ is all about. And then he gets invited up to the Arapagus, which is kind of like, um, it's also known as Mars Hill in the Roman kind of language. Uh, This kind of idea of getting invited up to come and share his ideas with all the thinkers. The very verse before this, 21, and it's one of my favorite verses in the whole world, is it just goes because all the Greeks did was sit around talking about ideas all day. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) maybe that's what I am, yeah. (laughs) Um, And this is what it says, so Paul says this, Uh, so Paul then stood up in meeting of the Areopagus and said this, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you were ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything else. Rather, he himself gives everything and everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of the lands. God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offering, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. Paul here is announcing to the Athenians, the people who have more gods and statues than anybody else, and he's pointing them to God, to Yahweh, to Jesus. What, right? This is kind of, there's some wild things going on in this chapter that I really want to show you. The first thing is, um, we're going from this, I already did that, from Jerusalem to Rome. um, And there's this moment that happens earlier with the disciples, when they encounter Christians and Gentiles getting filled with the Holy Spirit, where they ask the question, wow, what? The Holy Spirit is even being pulled out on Gentiles? So they're actually being confronted a little bit with God showing up in an unexpected place. But there's three other things that I want to take away from this Bible verse today. Firstly, to an unknown God. The reason why I like this is because this is this moment where Paul actually has a choice of how he relates to the Athenians. He has a moment where he has the opportunity to talk to them about God, about something that they obsess over, and he refers to them and he does them by actually pulling out an idol that's amongst them. I don't know if we can understand the gravity of this. That's number two in the big no-no list, no idols. And Paul uses that as the example to point them to God. Now, he's not saying to them to worship the idol, I want to make that really, really clear. But Paul is actually going, I can see you guys are doing something here, but you have no idea what you're doing. I can see you guys are trying your hardest to reach God, to worship God, to show your adoration to God, but you're missing it. Let me show you the way. What? So he pulls He says, there's an idol to an unknown God. You guys don't understand what you're doing, but let me show you the way. This is kind of really crazy because Paul had this choice to kind of get up there and go, let me start with Genesis 1 and let's start going through the Torah together. But he starts with where they're at in their moment. He sees what they're yearning for that they're, and he interprets it not as evil, not as the worst, but he interprets it as humans yearning for God. I think this is really confronting. This is kind of really beautiful because Paul's choosing to see God show up in an unexpected place. Not saying the idol is God, but Paul is saying you're yearning for God. You're trying your hardest to get there, but you can't make it. (laughs) Next thing that we see here is we see this yearning for God. We see Paul interpreting their actions as an unknown to an unknown God to these gods as something actually as a human pursuit after God. As humans going, we because I think we most of us would probably believe here that there is something within us as humans where we're seeking after God, aren't we? We do it in lots of different actions, some of us may praise and worship our clothes and how we look, our fashion. Some of us may worship. uh, James K. Smith, who we quote a lot here in this church, talks about that humans are primarily worshiping beings. We're worshiping something or someone. It just depends who. This is this human pursuit. So, Paul doesn't see He sees their actions as wrong, yes, but he sees the heart of yearning for God and he then chooses to direct them the right way. Can you see the distinction there? It's different, right? He looked to the culture of what they were doing, the Greeks, and he chose to see it as yearning for God. This is Paul saying God is at work even here. I think so oftentimes we can see cultures and culture itself as horrible as the worst when really Paul was seeing glimmers of God amongst them in these people. For God was in this place and they didn't realize it. And then the next thing Paul does, which I really love, is he does it in their language. Paul, in this moment, and it says it in the text, he's actually quoting two people who uh, one's a Greek and one's a Cretan. Um, Paul quotes him one other time, by the way, um, in uh, the book of Titus when he says, uh, he says like a philosopher of their own, says all, all Cretans are lazy people or something like that. Paul's quoting the same guy. He was a bit of a fan of this guy. Um, but he does it in their language. So he quotes two non-Jewish people to talk in language that they would understand. He's trying to help them to understand what God is doing. This is really—I could imagine if Paul was alive today, he'd be quoting like he'd be quoting a movie, or he'd be quoting an author or a poet. He'd be co- quoting Tim Winton or something, or he'd quote—I—I I, I hope he quotes like Kendrick Lamar or like a rapper or something like that, right? Um, not because these people hold truth themselves, but because these people are in their own way pursuing after truth, which is God, right, which is this truth of God at work in the world, even when we may not realize it. He identifies this pursuit, this, this human thing as a yearning for God, and he does it in their language so that they would understand. So Paul, in quite a confronting way, shows us this holy surprise That picture of Jesus poking around the corner being like, hey, surprise, I'm here. I'm here present in this moment, in this people group, even though you may not realize it. We see this time and time again in the scriptures. We see God showing up in unexpected places. We see people pointing people to God, even in places that they did not imagine it. We see it like we did with Jacob having this dream and saying, hey, God is in this place and I didn't know. We see it with like, I don't know if you've ever read the story of Melchizedek, but I'm still trying to figure out what's going on there, right? Like, we see Abraham in that moment tithing to Melchizedek. We see the picture that we shared when we did the sermon series on exiles in this church about God's presence leaving the temple to go and inhabit the people in Babylon. That's God showing up in an unexpected place. We see a fourth person in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, right? He's just rocking up out of nowhere. He's turning up in unexpected places. God is constantly choosing to show up in places that no one was expecting. And this, to me, is something that I find confronting because I have to ask myself, is God showing up all around me and I am too blind to see it? Am I missing these places, these glimmers of hope of God in the world? Do I have the eyes to see it? We see this when one of the people in the first century proclaimed, what good can possibly come from Nazareth? (laughs) What good can come from Rockhampton, right? (laughs) Yeah, there's two of us, yeah. (laughs) And above all, we see this in how could an object of torture ever be seen of the greatest gift of love and life and representation of that in the modern world. We see God showing up in places we never quite expected, but we have to have eyes to see it. This is why Paul, in Corinthians, is like, look to the cross and he follows it up with, it's foolishness. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. This is an unexpected place for God to show up, but this is where he is. Do we have eyes to see? When I was 10, my favorite place in the world was Emerald. Oh, I know, right? For some reason, I thought that was better than Rockhampton. I don't know why, but I just, I just used to love going to Emerald. And I think it was because I just had family out there. And they were like my favorite cousins. And every time we'd go out there, it'd be this wonderful adventure. Um, one time when we went to Emerald, I remember um, we actually had this really fun opportunity where we got to go to the gem fields. Has anybody heard of the gem fields of just outside of Emerald? Oh yeah, do you know, the gem fields have the same health um, results as like Bangladesh. It's it's insane. Yeah, one of our like it's it's just this really weird place in the world. Um, but the gem fields were so fun as a kid. It, c- kid holidays when you're like ten usually means working, right? They're like, come and how we do this really fun thing and like dig through piles of dirt. Like <laughs> there was just this thing of like we'd go out to the gem fields. And it was this, we walked out the back, and again, classic Gemfields, Queensland, Central Queensland, it was just these big, dirty piles of dirt. There was nothing going on, right? Like, there was nothing special. <laughs> um, to be honest, the dirt looked worse than that. It was like grey. <laughs> had was full of rocks. And I had this kind of moment, I remember being a 10-year-old, seeing that there's just these, like... You're like, we're going to go do something fun today, and then we walk out, and this is what I'm confronted with as a 10-year-old, right? I was straight away disappointed. I wasn't getting to play my Game Boy or something like that. Um, That's how old I am, Game Boy. (laughs) Um, Looking at this pile of dirt, and there was just three tables, there was a shed, and then sieves. And they were like, go play, kids. (laughs) And they were trying to convince me that this was going to be fun. Um. But what ended up happening, of course, is we were like, okay, let's roll up our sleeves, let's get our, let's get our hands dirty, and let's start to sieve through these big piles of dirt and see what we could find. I found emeralds. I'm, this is no over exaggeration. I found emeralds, we found sapphires, we found these beautiful gems that were just absolutely stunning. Most of them were too small, by the way, so I wasn't getting rich as a young kid or anything like that. I was in the diamond trade. Um, they were so small, but still the wonder of what could be found in a pile of dirt struck me. I was confronted with something beautiful showing up in an unexpected place, in emerald, when it's stinking hot, by the way. <laughs> I think sometimes we can really get, conf- we can really come to this kind of conclusion that things and places in this world are just a big pile of dirt. That section of culture, it's a big pile of dirt. Um, this is always my little thing, but like hip hop music, I remember my parents being like, it's of the devil, if you listen to that, you'll go to hell. But actually, this pile of dirt contains within it some beautiful gems. It contains within it people who are crying out to God. These things that show God is at work in places that we don't even expect it. If I could have the band up. I think that oftentimes as Christians, we get really, really good at telling people, where not to go, what not to do, where God is not. Where I wonder if there's a key role in our Christian life of fossicking. Where we don't ban, throw these things out, don't go there, but instead we say, if you want to know what's going on, you've got to be willing to roll up your sleeves to get your hands dirty, to get out the sieve. (laughs) To get rid of the rot because there is rot, (laughs) to get rid of the dirt, but to see the work that God has been doing before you ever even knew. Because there are precious things in the dirt of this world. There are precious things in places that we do not expect. Surprise, God's been doing stuff before you ever realized it. But do you have the eyes to see it? do we have the ears to hear? In Ecclesiastes 4.11 said, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. God has already set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Can you see eternity set in the human heart. I wonder if sometimes we can get out the sieve, go through culture and the world, and actually find those gems of eternity already there that God has placed. This yearning for God that Paul talked about. The unknown gods all around us that God wants us to go, hey, I know what you think that's about, but actually you're trying to search after God. You're searching after something more, after something else. Like Jacob in the desert and Paul in the city full of idols, can we see God doing something around us? I know we believe it, but can we see it? Do we see the human yearning after God? and I'm going to step on some toes here, do we see the human yearning after God in both the liberal and the conservatives or just do we see a political enemy? Do we see God present in those people doing something even when we don't agree with them? Do we see the young person struggling with what it means to be human in relation to God or do we just see someone who's got their priorities out of order and they're going to hell? Can we see the human behind the ideas? The human who's yearning after God, even though they may not realize it. Do we hear the cries of the afflicted yearning for salvation on both sides of war as we prayed today? Do we see the human pursuit of God at work in the life of those who aren't like us? Or do we just see our differences? Can we see and hear the human pursuit of God shining through the poet's prose or the rapper's lyrics, the painter's brush strokes and the photographer's shot? Do we see the human pursuit of God all around us? And if we can, are we able then to point them to God? Are we willing to fossick? to sift through the sometimes dirt of culture and the things that we don't agree with, the people at first we don't like, the stuff we don't understand, so that we may find God in unexpected places, so that we too may proclaim, surely the Lord was in this place. And I was not aware.